Hello, everybody, and welcome to Justify Your Existence, the Daily Journal's podcast about Mississippi State, Ole Miss, the SEC, and beyond. It has been a while, but uh, I am Michael Katz. I cover Ole Miss for the Daily Journal. I'm here with Stefan Kreishnik, who covers Mississippi State. Stefan, first of all, how are you doing? And second, uh, have you entered the transfer portal or are you seeking a new coaching job? Because that seems to be what everybody's doing. No, I'm, I'm not yet. And I know uh, Parrish is on the edge of his seat, probably waiting for us to, to announce something. So, uh, no, no, not yet. I'm still covering Mississippi State for the Daily Journal. Uh, I'm up in uh, in the Chicago area again because uh, serving Christmas is January 7th, for those who don't know. So, um, this is actually morning of my Christmas Eve right now, and it's uh, 10 degrees outside. So, um, I spent my New Year's in Orlando where it was beautiful, and now I'm spending my Christmas here where it is very much breezy. <laughs> You know, I, I uh, on my way back from New Orleans, I, I joked I experienced all four seasons, but I kind of did because uh, it was it was 80 degrees in New Orleans, humid. And then by the time I got to Oxford, it was snowing, which I didn't know it snowed in Mississippi. As somebody who lived in Wyoming for two years, I wasn't really thrown off by snow. I was thrown off by it snowing here. Yeah. Uh, so I, I've been a little shook the last couple of days. I've been warned. I've been warned in Starkville to like be ready for like, you know, like a lot of ice. Um, you know, icy roads and stuff like that. But they, they always said that there wouldn't be too much snow. Um, I wasn't there uh, when it snowed because that was, that was when I was in Orlando. But, um, but I heard, um, you know, people in Starkville, didn't really know how to act for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as, as a Californian, my natural instinct is to freak out about it. But uh, I've got a little bit of experience with it. But it's still, it, it's, it's not normal. It should, it should not yeah, be. Because you, you, you got your Wyoming time. So you, you probably... Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. You said 10 degrees, and I thought, oh, that's actually pretty warm. <laughs> no. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, so uh, we are getting the seasons, but it, it, it's nice to be back. We've had a, a hectic couple weeks with traveling and, and football stuff and just trying to take a little time off, so we got a lot to talk about. But yeah, uh, we will be talking about our respective bowl games, of course. Uh, Stefan was at the uh, Liberty Bowl. Uh, seems like it was forever ago, but it was not long ago. And I was at the Sugar Bowl uh, a few days ago, which also seems like it was a long time ago, given everything that's happened since. Uh, but we need to start with the college football playoff. And me, I don't, I'm not apologizing to Michigan. I think I need to be mad at Michigan for overestimating them. Uh, to the surprise of no one, we have Alabama and Georgia again playing for a national title. If only we could have seen them play, uh, you know, a couple weeks earlier, right? Um, what are your thoughts on, I guess, how the semifinal games went in and what are your thoughts on that game? I, I, I am I am not picking against Alabama again. I've learned my lesson. Alabama by a billion. Yeah, I, I'm also I'm, – I'm picking with you there. I'm going with Alabama. I'm very surprised that Alabama's the underdog on most, you know, betting sites that I've seen um, – you know, I understand, you know, Georgia looked really impressive in that game against Michigan. And it was maybe, a, maybe we need a little bit of a reminder how good Georgia was because I think that game against Alabama kind of, you know, turned everyone away for a little bit. Um, but I, I, I mean, what, what did Alabama do to make them look like, you know, they're below Georgia again? I mean, listen, I think Cincinnati played a hell of a game. I don't think that score is very representative of how well Cincinnati played. And frankly, um, you know, Cincinnati proved to be more deserving of a playoff spot than Michigan did. Like that, that was a really good, that's spicy. I like that. That's that's. I mean, yeah, but I mean, that's just listen. I, I mean, Michigan's resume is, is better to get into the playoff. Don't get me wrong. I mean, Michigan, I think, deserved to be the number two seed um, when all said and done in regular season. When you look at in terms of resumes, um, but now looking back, Cincinnati, 
they were undefeated and they, they deserved the playoffs fun. They proved it. Listen, they, I mean, they, there was a lot of SEC teams who played much worse uh, against Alabama. I mean, going into, going into halftime, and I wish, I kind of wish Alabama hadn't had that score right before half um, because otherwise, you know, I was thinking to myself, like, there's a lot of SEC teams who, you know, played Alabama close until half and then kind of got ran in the second half. And I knew that was kind of what was going to happen. I knew that Cincinnati would put him close in the first half um, and then Alabama would kind of pull away in the second. Um, and a lot of people would say, see, like Alabama's better. But like, that's what Alabama does to a lot of SEC teams. Like, there's a lot of SEC teams who play out. I mean, Tennessee played Alabama close for about um, 45, 55 minutes and lost by like two scores. <laughs> you know, Alabama still covered against them. So, um, you know, with how explosive that offense is, I think Cincinnati played really well. Um, I, I, I think the, the Georgia score surprised me a little bit. I thought Michigan would, you know, at least show up to the game and make the trip. Um, and they didn't. And, you know, not good for my Big Ten. Um, but it, it is, like you said, like all year we've kind of expected this. And I hope it's a much better game than the SEC title game, you know, for the sake of entertainment. Um, but but I'm interested in your thoughts on, on the playoff as a whole. I mean, after, after I, I can't remember your – we probably talked about this, like, in August, um, about, you know, our thoughts on expansion uh, for the playoff. What are your thoughts on it now? Did, did the results change it at all? Uh, if anything, I think we need to shrink it back to the BCS. Uh, yeah. No, they, they, I, I'm only like kind of kidding, but I, I know there's there's a, there's a lot of conversation when you have blowouts and like all that kind of stuff about like, well, how do we fix this? I I, I don't know if if adding teams makes it better because like how many other teams are going to be competitive against Alabama and Georgia? Right. You know what I mean? So like, listen, I had a lot of beef with the BCS as a USC guy. I had a lot of beef with the BCS, but at least it was one versus two and you knew what you were getting. For the most part, it was, it was usually right. 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 Um, and it usually, you know, it usually had the right teams in there and yeah, there's always people arguing about things, but um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I would, I mean, listen, as, as a football fan, I'd love to see like the expanded, you know, like a tournament style thing. I think that's fun, but I don't know if it, if it legitimizes it or makes it better, if that makes sense. I, it's, you know, I know every year is different, but it just really seems like there's just like two teams and everybody else. And I think we kind of thought that like for most of the year, actually for most of the year, we thought it was one team and then everybody else. And then Alabama did what it does. Um, You know, I think we sometimes fool ourselves into like, oh, well, this team looked really good, you know, and like Michigan beat Ohio State and then killed Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. We were like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is the – you know, like I think we all knew that they weren't really, like, going to challenge them. But we tried to talk ourselves into it. And, like, Cincinnati, yeah. we were like, oh, maybe they can do it. Well, Cincinnati, like you said, like, played, like, a, almost a perfect game and still got killed. Like, right. and they played really, really well. And so it's like, you know, if Notre Dame had been in there, they would have gotten smoked. Uh, you know, Notre Dame almost, you know, I mean, yeah, their whole, because they were, yeah, they were the five, I believe. Uh, and they had their whole, the Oklahoma State debacle. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if making it bigger 
makes the product better. And, you know, I, I know no one wants to make it smaller because there's a lot of money and everybody had issues with the BCS and that's why we did this. I think we all thought that like there were always going to be four teams that were deserving or like that would be competitive. And I think in a perfect world, there are like in a perfect world, four could be one. Right. right. But we just haven't really, it hasn't really happened lately. It's usually there's two really good teams. And they end up in the same place every year. Yeah. Yeah. One thing that I thought was interesting, and I pulled up the quote right now, is, um, you know, Saban has obviously been pretty against, um, you know, the college football playoff expansion. But he did say his quote about um, Cincinnati being, and he said, there's no doubt in my mind that they belong in the playoff. They gave us all we could handle um, in this game tonight. And I think he's right. Like you said, I think Cincinnati played as, as good of a game as, um, you can in, in certain situations against Alabama. It, you know, when you look in the past of teams that have upset Alabama, um, they've had perfect game plans, but they've also had, you know, Alabama make some mistakes. Like think back to the Texas A&M game earlier this year. I mean, Texas A&M could have very easily lost that game despite playing, you know, almost as perfectly as you can. That's just reality of facing a team like Alabama. It's, you know, college football in general just doesn't have the parity that the NFL does. I think everyone knows that, like, you know, we're, we're about to see in the NFL playoffs. They added a team this year, or I guess they did it last year, but that was kind of because of COVID. Now there's an extra team this year than we normally do have. And you're going to have a team like, you know, let's say the Cardinals or the Rams or maybe even the Cowboys taking on a team like the Saints or the Eagles, you know, and like those two teams at the bottom are not very worthy, but there's a likelier chance that you'll have a close game, right? And I think that's what they're hoping with the expansion of like, if you have more games, there's maybe a better chance that a few of them are close. You can't guarantee that. And you're just adding games to the schedule now. And it's, it's just, there, there needs to be a way to make bowl games more enticing for big players to play in. Um, otherwise there's, there's not going to be reason. And, and there's making more bowl games in the playoffs, make it more interesting. Maybe. Cause then, you know, you would have, a Pittsburgh probably in or maybe Michigan state in, and then you have Walker Pickett playing if that was considered a playoff game. But at the same time, like, is it going to make those games more interesting? Probably not. You know, you might have your, so if you have 12 teams, your, your middle matchups, like a, a five against a six, probably be a pretty interesting game. You know, I mean, Oklahoma state versus Notre Dame was a pretty crazy game and, you know, that would have been an interesting playoff game, but like, you know, was was Michigan State? Could you imagine Michigan State's pass defense against Alabama in a playoff game? That would have been hilarious, actually. It I would have very funny. much enjoyed that. It would have been funny, but it would have been very embarrassing for Michigan State, a team that formerly has been in the playoff. I think people forget that in 2015. We all try to forget it because they got smoked there. Correct, correct. So I don't know what the solution is, but but I know that there has to be a way to make, um, you know, non-playoff bowl games more enticing. Because even if you have you know, 12-team playoff, um, there, has, there has to be some interest for team number 16 to be playing in their bowl game. You know, there's there's first-round picks all over the place. I mean, Mississippi State was unranked, and they have, you know, a top-10 draft pick. And, you know, how do you entice, entice a guy like Charles Cross to play in the Liberty Bowl? You know, right? I mean, there's there's not much enticing to it. You saw what happened to Mac Corral, and we'll touch on that earlier. I mean, <laughs> if anything, it's going to push people away even more now. You know, it's just it's, – it's hard to find that solution. Um, and, and I don't know if there is a perfect answer, but maybe some money needs to start being involved for, for these players participating in bowl games. I know the Mayo Bowl just signed a NIL deal with one of South Carolina's players. His name is slipping my mind, but 
maybe that's some way that you do it. You know, use NIL to your to your to your advantage. Guess we'll see how that all pans out. That's a great segue because that, that, that props to you for for getting us into uh, our respective bowl <laughs> games and a lot of. I mean, I, I think we need to talk about opt outs and whatnot, but. Uh, just a reminder that uh, you can follow Justify Your Existence on your favorite podcast platform or at djournal.com slash podcasts. You can also follow us on Twitter at djournalsports or, or on Facebook in the Mississippi State discussion with Parrish Alford, Stefan Kreishnik, and the Ole Miss discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. There's a lot going on there right now with all of the uh, – a lot of conversations among our, our respective teams. But <laughs> let's uh, – you. You brought up uh, Charles Cross opting out of the Liberty Bowl, and uh, I, I believe there was, uh, it was Emerson who opted out as well. Um, yeah. You know, that that game, I, I was really surprised with, with kind of the result of that game uh, against Texas Tech Liberty Bowl. Um, just kind of give me your thoughts on that. Uh, were, were, were you surprised with with the way that game went? I know they're missing a lot of guys, but uh, that, that was – they, they kind of got the, the doors blown off them a little bit. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I was surprised. I thought that Mississippi State was going to win by a couple scores. I know people were talking about Leach running up the score on Texas Tech. Um, you know, it, it, it was definitely a surprising result, and there's a lot of places that you can point to excuses. But at, at the end of the day, Mississippi State just did a horrible job of executing every set of the game, every phase of the game. Um, they were de- they were shorthanded on a defensive line, um, which I think is is – a good way to point to the struggles they had against stopping the run because Mississippi State was a top 10 um, rushing defense going into the game. A lot of that had to do with what they were able to do up front, um, you know, on the defensive line and, and they were shorthanded there. And, and, and I get that. Um, but, you know, at linebacker, they were full strength. Um, you know, their secondary was a little beat up too. Um, and, and once Texas Tech got that run game going and they drew, drew everyone in and just right over the top, I mean, completing 30-yard passes, 40-yard passes, like it was nothing. I mean, uh, Texas Tech offensively controlled everything throughout that game. Sands minus, um, you know, part of the second quarter, maybe early part of the third quarter where, um, you know, the, the defense did its part to hold the offense in the game and the offense just couldn't get anything going. I mean, one touchdown in, in the game is, is, you know, you're not going to get much done. I mean, to say it's a surprising result is not really – you know, surprising thing to say because Mississippi State was favored by about 10 points. And I think I would have to go through all the bowl games, but that's got to be one of the biggest swings to be, you know, favored by 10 and lose by, you know, 27 or whatever it was. Um, you know, that's a 37 point swing there that, you know, speaks for itself. Um, you know, people will point, you know, to to Charles Cross being on, um, you know, the offensive line did, did just fine. I think in my opinion, Nick Jones, had, I mean, they had to shuffle a lot of things, um, you know, move Nick Jones over to the right side. And, um, you know, just because of COVID, you had, you had guys out. Shifted some things, but I thought the offense winded well. Um, the Cameron Richardson stepping in for Martin Emerson, I thought he did fine. It wasn't, you know, a great game, but he stretched. I mean, he was beat a couple times, but Parrish wrote about it, um, you know, in his column after the game that, you know, those those next men up that people expected to fill in for Cross and Emerson were not the problem. It was a lot of the starters. I mean, drop passes um, for guys like Jaden Wally. I mean, uh, Austin Williams muffed the punt. Like there's just various things, um, you know, that Mississippi State did wrong, and and it leaves a sour taste. Um, you know, at the end of, um, you know, what was admittedly a good season for Mississippi State. I mean, they, they won seven games, um, and then you lose your last two, being the Egg Bowl and being, you know, the Liberty Bowl. That, that's going to leave a sour taste going into the off season. Now you got guys going to the NFL, other guys going to the transfer portal, and and you know, you know, Leach admitted that 
you know, the transfer portal, though he doesn't like it, is a resource that he's going to have to use. And, and so we'll see in the next, you know, as time unfolds throughout, you know, this, this off season, um, you know, what Mississippi State does in the transfer portal. Um, but, but it's a very different feeling um, today with Mississippi State than it was, you know, November before that. Yeah, I, I'm curious. Do you think, you know, it's always, hard to predict what's going through Mike Leach's head, but I mean, do you, do you think that he would consider this as a, a successful season just kind of based, I know the expectations were kind of shockingly low just in terms of like the preseason, you know, poll right. and whatnot, but uh, how do you think he's judging this season? Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely seems as a successful season. You know, he always talks about how this is the youngest team he's ever coached. Um, you know, he points to games like, you know, that Auburn game or Louisiana tech game where you're down by 20 plus, um, and, and a lot of the young teams probably wouldn't be able to make a comeback like that. I mean, especially that Auburn game, how many young teams go into Auburn and can do something like that? There's not a lot. Um, you know, he got, he got emotional after the, after the um, Liberty Bowl. During, during the press conference, he was, he was fighting back some tears. He kind of, um, you know, stopped for a second to, to gather himself when he was talking about um, how proud he was of, of the young team that he was coaching. And that's the side of Mike Leach that I – and, and you, know, I, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched every press conference of his career. You know, I've seen a lot of the funny ones. Um, and, but, but that's a side of Mike Leach that people have not really seen, um, to, to see him fighting back tears in that way, uh, was a little bit surprising. And I think, um, you know, what's interesting is that, um, you know, I think there's a lot of talk with, you know, his age and, you know, he's kind of, you know, he's closer to the end of his career than he was, than he is to the start of his career. And, you know, what, what, what does he want in Mississippi state? You know, is this stepping stone for another bigger job for him before he goes out or is this kind of where he wants to be? And, that's kind of the first time where he showed that, you know, he's pretty serious about this thing and he wants, um, you know, this Mississippi State team, Mississippi State team to win, um, you know, under his tenure. That's definitely, you know, uh, a sign that he's proud of, you know, what they built this season you know, after a really tough circumstances coming into the to year one with, you know, COVID in, in 2020, um, you know, cutting off most of the offseason when you're trying to implement the air raid offense, that's tough. Um he definitely deems it as a successful season. And, and for the first time uh, after the uh, Liberty Bowl, he brought up the fact that they were projected, predicted at the bottom, um, you know, the, the media poll and stuff like that. Um, but he also admits that, you know, they had even higher expectations for themselves. And, um, and expectations are going to go up next season by the fans, um, you know, by the people in the athletic department and probably by the media as well. And, um, and how you respond to that, that's kind of the next step of, of when you're building trajectory. There are a lot of teams that, um, you know, build up and then kind of level out. And I think we're about to find out, you know, what that's going to be uh, for Mike Leach and Mississippi State. Are they going to continue up? You know, is, is eight, nine wins, um, you know, ahead? Or, or are you going to drop down and again be, you know, five, six, seven? It's that time of year where uh, a, a lot of teams are kind of, they're, they're losing players, they're losing coaches, all that kind of stuff. Kind of take me through what uh, Mississippi State's, you know, uh, I, I know it's only been a couple of days of like off season, but what, but what it's kind of looking like in terms of departures and whatnot. Yeah. Um, you know, not too many big pieces, um, you know, in the transfer portal um, defensive end, Aaron Odom, he, he announced he's going into the portal the other day. Um, offensive lineman Calvin McMillian um, announced that I believe it was yesterday. That he's headed to the portal. Um, they, they've lost some guys this offseason that have kind of been role guys who step in, you know, every now and then get some snaps. Um, and, and it's just kind of what, what you're seeing from guys like that is like, if you're, if you're a few snaps player in the SEC, um, you know, players just aren't, aren't patient anymore. They're not going to wait their turn. Uh, they're going to go somewhere else. 
And I think that, like, I wouldn't be surprised if Mississippi State lost a couple more. And, you know, I'm not going to speculate and name names, but you can go down the roster and look at guys who, who are decent recruits and decent talent who aren't just getting snaps because there's better guys ahead of them. And maybe, you know, they're a year or two away from being, you know, important players. But the way it goes now is that they're going to transfer. They're going to go somewhere else. Um, but they haven't had, you know, it, if you're looking at next season, um, they haven't had uh, too detrimental of an off season in terms of the transfer portal. They've lost big pieces to the NFL draft. When you say a player leaves to the NFL draft, you can assume that's a big piece for a team because you know, he's worthy of going to the NFL. Um, Charles Cross, obviously, Martin Emerson, obviously. Uh, losing Mackay Polk the other day was maybe not, I don't want to call it surprising. You know, he's a redshirt sophomore, so he's eligible. And, I, you know, once you're, you know, you break a program single season reception record, you know, regardless of the offense that you're in. Go get that uh, money, top, man. Go get that money, right, right. And I think, you know, people were surprised because I, I think there is definitely a next step to his game. You know, he's probably, I mean, he, I could see him going undrafted. I could see him going middle of the draft. Like there, there's, you know, different places where he, where I see him kind of fitting in the draft. If he comes back and has another good year, he could definitely boost that stock. But like you see it so many times and, and I'll use Ty Freifogel for an example, because I covered him at Indiana. Like he had, you know, big time receiver of the year. I was saying season. he could have left for the draft really good, came back and had a pretty bad year at Indiana and kind of hurt his stock. And it's like, you know, sell high, like go, go at your peak. And I think that's what my high poke is doing here. It's going to be hard to get more than 106 receptions or whatever his exact number was. Like he could have a really good season next year and have like 20 less receptions and kind of be considered, you know, dropping off. Mississippi State has had a lot of depth at receiver this year. It's going to be hard for them to fill in for the number one guy. Cause I think Makai Polk was definitely, and the numbers will back it up better than, than most, you know, two through six. Um, but, but they can have someone step up there, um, you know, an outside receiver like Ra Ra Thomas, someone that looked really good this year. Um, Christian Ford looked really good this year, you know, going from a walk-on to someone who earned a scholarship. So there's definitely uh, room for improvement um, at, the, at the wide receiver group and definitely players who can step in for Polk. But that, that, that one move is probably the one I would say is, is the most surprising in terms of guys leaving for the draft or guys, you know, entering the portal. But with the way the portal goes, I'm sure the next however many months will be very interesting. <laughs> No, it, it, it's it's oh, there's always breaking news on that front. I uh, right. I, I thought about following the two four seven sports or uh, uh, putting alerts on for two four seven sports transfer portal, and I decided I did not want a notification every fifteen seconds. Yeah. Uh, so I decided against yeah. that. But uh, I turned that off when I got to Orlando. I've not turned it on since. Oh, you're smart. You're yeah, you're smart, man. You are you're a smart <laughs> man. Uh, also very jealous that you got to live my dream and go see the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. That's that's yeah. That's the, where I belong. The Star Wars rides were were crazy, man. They're crazy. They're so cool. Like the, what the, what they like built over there is just incredible. Uh, going to uh to to, to Ole Miss and in, in the Sugar Bowl and um you know that was a that was a tough game. Uh, if you're an Ole Miss fan, uh, I think there's always going to be that sort of what if in, in a 21-7 game where your superstar quarterback who decided to in this era of opt-outs playing the game and he leaves late in the first quarter. And, you know, after that, it was, um, uh, you know, the defense played really, really well. I mean, they, they kept them in the game. I don't want to say surprisingly, but in a game where you'll lose Matt Corral uh, to be in the game for most of it um, and not really ever have Baylor, you know, take charge. Um, you know, I know, I know you want to win every game and whatnot, but, 
uh, I, I think Ole Miss can kind of be proud of that effort. It, it's it, it is it is tough to lose your field general, especially one that's meant as much as, as Matt Corral has to Ole Miss. But I think all things considered, they they uh, they play pretty well. But um, I I don't think I've ever felt the air leave a stadium faster than when Matt didn't get off the ground. Um, that was. You know, I, I I talk about it with with people all the time, and I think you feel the same way. You know, you, you don't for us like you, you don't you don't you don't root for teams and players and all that kind of stuff. You, you root for stories and, and people and whatnot. And, uh, you know, you couldn't help but feel bad for Matt Corral um, just because he 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 left it all out there. And guys like that are fun to cover and you know what they mean to their programs and communities and. I mean, I have seen what Matt Corral means to Oxford and, and Ole Miss. And, um, you know, this was his swan song and everybody was so happy to see him one last time. And, uh, you know, to have it end with him on crutches, I think was really, really brutal. And, you know, he's an emotional guy uh, from what I I had people texting me like you could see the tears in his eyes on the sideline and his, his eye black was smeared and, and his eyes were all red and all that kind of stuff. Obviously couldn't see that from the press box, but saw it later. And, um, you know, I mean, Matt Corral is, you know, he, he's, yeah, it's hard to put anyone up there with Eli and Archie, but I think he's going to hold that sort of place in, in all Miss fans' hearts. And, um, you know, just to have him go down like that was bad, but, Man, that defense played really, really, really well. And I think it's a big reason DJ Durkin is headed to Texas A&M. You know, it was a pretty nice audition. We can get to that a little bit later. But uh, just, you know, what what, what, what were your thoughts as as somebody just sort of watching that game on TV? I I, I know it was – it's 21-7. But, I mean, they really – in a game where maybe they shouldn't have been in it after the first quarter, they were in it till the end for the most part. Right. I guess, well, my initial thought was um, next year without Matt Corral, it's going to be very interesting to watch what the Ole Miss offense does, what Link Kiffin can pull off and, you know, what they kind of do at the quarterback position. I think, um, you know, it's, it's a lot different when you can prepare with your backup quarterback versus when you lose your starter, like your game plan kind of shifts a little bit. I mean, I think that's what happened for Ole Miss. Um, you know, and I think if, if whoever it was outside of Corral, um, to start the game, if they had kind of prepared all month for that guy to be the starter, I think it would have looked a little better. Um, but yeah, I mean, like like you said, you know, we we don't root for teams; we kind of root for for stories, and um, you know, that's a, that's a tough story um, to cover there. And um, you know, I think there's a lot of people, a lot of Mississippi State fans, who probably felt bad watching him go down. I mean, the, the thing about rivalries, we talk about how much hatred and stuff has evolved, but there's also a lot of respect that's involved, um, you know, in, in rivalry games and. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want to see a guy go down ever. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a Bears fan and I've seen, you know, Aaron Rodgers take multiple shots, but you never root for him, um, you know, to miss a game or something like that. You want to beat Aaron Rodgers when – you want to beat the Packers when Aaron Rodgers is in the game. You don't want to beat the Packers against the backup because then you don't have any bragging rights. You know, you beat their backup. Um, and I think there's a lot of Mississippi State fans who, who felt bad watching Matt Corral go down because, um, you know, say what you want about, you know, whether he deserved to be a Heisman finalist, whether he deserved this award, that award. Like, at the end of the day, he was really good. He put up really impressive numbers um, and has, you know, all the talent to be a first-round NFL pick. Now, where, where, what, what this injury does for his stock, and it doesn't look like it'll do too much to it, which is really good. Um, you know, that, that, that's a good thing. Um, 
but yeah, it's just, it, I mean, it's, you, it just sucks because you're tuning in for these games and you want to see the best players play. And a lot of them have opted out, but like one guy that stayed that a lot of people were excited to watch was Matt Corral against Baylor. And, um, you know, especially like you said, with that being a swan song and, and people didn't get that. And that sucks. Um, that's kind of the reality of football. And, you know, it, it's going to bring up the conversation again of, of players opting out. I think at the end of the discussion, it's just let the players decide. You know, like Matt Corral decided to play. Charles Cross decided not to play. Um, you know, who cares? It's not, you know, for a coach to say. It's not for a fan to say. Like, if he decides to play or if he decides not to play, that's his decision. I think that's just what the consensus is going to have to be, um, you know, on, on that topic specifically. Um, but, yeah, the defense played really well. The defense for Miss, or, uh, sorry, for Ole Miss, um, you know, played really good for the second half of the season. You know, a, a good portion of the season. They played really good against Mississippi State. Um, you know, granted, Mississippi State had some drops, but like the the Ole Miss defense looked good. Like you said, to the point where DJ Durkin's probably pretty worthy of that Texas A&M job. You know, if you scratch a little bit of his history, um, you know. The, yeah, let's anyways, look, yeah, we can get into that on another. Anyways, um, but yeah, the, I mean, the defense looked really good. Kept the offense in the game. Um, I was surprised when I I had watched and then I switched over to Twitter for a little bit when Corral had gotten hurt and that sucked. And then when I turned tuned back in, I was surprised that the game was still as close as it was. Um, so yeah, that made a hell of a turnaround for that defense this season. Um, and now, you know, it's it's a really interesting offseason for Ole Miss. It's going to be interesting to see what they do. Yeah, I mean, it's already started to be an interesting offseason with, uh, you know, we we knew Lebby, Jeff Lebby was, was leaving uh, before the bowl game. But, um, you know, we've had. DJ Durkin, uh, by all accounts, is headed for Texas A&M. Um, I'm imagining there will be a pay raise, given how much money Texas A&M has. Uh, we knew Matt Corral was leaving um, in the last couple of days. Jerry Neely uh, and, and Snoop Connor, two running backs, have declared for the draft. Um, in transfer portal, there has been some, but not in terms of, like, the, I guess, quote-unquote, huge names. But uh, it, it is interesting to, to, to think what this Ole Miss offense is going to look like. And I don't think it's fair to judge, uh, you know, Luke Altmaier based on, you know, that game because, you know, what 18, 19-year-old is going to step in without being prepared and look like a superstar. Like, I don't know if you remember the, gosh, what was it, like the 2010 national championship game between Texas and Alabama where Colt McCoy got hurt in like the first quarter and Garrett Gilbert mm-hmm. had to come in. And it's like, well, what more could you ask of Garrett Gilbert? Like, I mean, come on. And, and like, he kept him in the game. He actually played pretty well. Like, it reminded me of that where it's like a really, really, really tough situation. And he showed flashes, but also showed the fact that he's a true freshman. And so um, it is going to be interesting. You know, Charlie Weiss Jr. is coming on staff. Uh, he, he worked with Lane at, at Florida Atlantic. Um, you know, obviously, Charlie Weiss Sr. is a big name. Um, and so I, 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 with Lane, it, it's hard to ever see there being a drop off offensively because that's what Lane does. But just personnel wise, it, it's it is going to be interesting. I know everybody keeps looking for that transfer portal quarterback, and it's like every time you think that the well is dried up, another name enters. Uh, you know, Caleb Williams is somehow in there, which is bizarre. I, I didn't think that was going to be one that ended up in there. And, who knows where he ends up? Fingers crossed it's USC. That would be awesome. He'd be reunited with Lincoln Riley. Could make my alma mater good again. Um, 
but uh yeah it, it it's gonna be interesting because you know like i said it, it's not really fair to, to to think like what we saw in the sugar bowl is what luke altmeyer is but you know i i don't think anybody would would i think everybody wants a, a veteran quarterback they can trust and so uh it, it's it's going to be a very interesting you know weeks months uh, just in terms of uh transfer portal and filling in the coaching gaps uh you know i know a lot of Ole Miss fans are kind of upset with the departures and they think it's a little bit alarming but you know when when you're good this is what happens people leave for the nfl and and people get more money and then they take you know different jobs and whatnot um but um yeah no it's um it it it, it, it's going to be a very i mean college football is always interesting uh, but I think Ole Miss, you know, like you said, like, you know, Mississippi State's kind of at this crossroads where it's like, are you going to go to the eight win, nine win plateau or, or do you kind of stay at, at the level you're at with Ole Miss? It's like, is this a consistent nine, 10 win program or are they a team that floats around bowl eligibility? I think we're going to learn a lot about them in, uh, in the next couple of years. It's, 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 it's always fascinating, but I, I think how, this team kind of builds itself back up. It is going to be really, really interesting. Yeah. I can't stop thinking of um, my political campaign of MAMGA, make my alma mater good again. That's all I have to say. (laughs) Oh, it's perfect. Oh gosh. On that note, as always, thank you guys for listening to Justify Your Existence. Reminder that you can follow us uh, on your favorite podcast platform, djournal.com slash podcast. Find us on Twitter. You can see me getting roasted by uh, an aquarium because I made fun of the way a turtle looks. Uh, <laughs> D-Journal Sports. You can also look for us on Facebook, Mississippi State Discussion with Parrish Alford and Stefan Kreishnik and the Old Miss uh, Discussion with Parrish Alford and Michael Katz. As always, thank you guys for listening.